0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Perkiavos podcast. This is Rabbi Shlomo Kohn, where we live with the ethics of the Torah. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at rabbi Shlomo Kohn with a K at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. For this week, we're going to take a break from Perkyavos, and I'm going to be giving a special class. As many of you um, know, I just finished. Um, running in a marathon, which was held in Florida this past week. Olami is a global organization which helps further Jewish education for college students and young Jewish professionals. So just really to give a little background, I wanted to talk about a little bit my about my experiences um, through this whole 10 weeks of training and the whole conference and marathon. And it was really just an amazing experience. I gained so much from this whole um, ordeal, I shouldn't say ordeal, but the the whole experience was such such a great thing for me. Um, Obviously there's health benefits, but it was really more than that. It wasn't just about my health and taking care of myself. There was a lot of life lessons which I learned from myself and I hope to um, apply to my life and maybe it's inspiration for you. So I wanted to give a little background about this whole experience and I hopefully we could take out four lessons, which I gained from this race. And I hope that maybe you two, you as well, can take some inspiration from. So what happened was, is that about three months ago, I am on different chats with other rabbis. um, And one of the other rabbis that's in in this, one of the chats I'm on, you know, there's like, it's a forum for for us to exchange ideas and for information, so on and so forth. One of the other rabbis had posted that he's joining this Rabbis Can Run Marathon, where he's being trained to run uh, a 10K marathon, which is 6.2 miles. And, it's in, in the, and he included in the post a flyer. And to me, it looked pretty interesting. It looked interesting, like, you know, a rabbi's marathon just for rabbis. And it seemed like they were trying to be very accommodating to get rabbis to come. And I decided I I would reach out. You know, at first I was a little apprehensive. Maybe I shouldn't. I'm not a runner. What do I know about running? Um, I know I do. I have enjoyed it in the past. Going on the treadmill sometimes when I get stressed out, my wife, Uh, orders me to the treadmill to to de-stress myself, to release uh, all that built up uh, frustration sometimes. So I have some experience in running, but I never did it consistently. And it was something I did want to do. So I decided to send an email to the coach who was also running this program. And we set up a Zoom interview. And really, he just, um, they seemed very accommodating. And the impression I got was that this organization, Rabbis Can Run and Olami, is that they wanted this to be a bigger success, a big success, and they were willing to work with all the rabbis that as long as everyone was doing the best they could as far as training and as far as fundraising, because there was a fundraising commitment which I had to make in order to be part of this program, so then you, I was welcome to join. So as I was talking to Coach Mayer during, the, during this interview... You know, he he really pumped me up and and really gave me the encouragement I, I needed to join this program. And as as he he told me, you know, I'm I'm, I'm ahead of the game. I'm because you know because I run already and so on and so forth. And it's and if even if a rabbi runs 50 percent of the race, it's a tremendous success, which it is. And he convinced me, and I thought to myself, okay, maybe I I won't run the whole thing, but I'll I'll do the best I can. So, a few weeks later, the training began. And I still remember the first time I got onto the treadmill. And having you? this program was very regimented. There were there was charts that I had to fill in every time I ran. Um, and I'm going to get to that a little bit more, talk about that, because that's one of the things which I gained from this program. I hope to apply to my own life, and we're, we're going to talk about it. But it was very official. I would have to run twice a week. And each run would be progressively more than the last one. And I still remember very clearly the first few times I ran getting off the treadmill, right? When I started at 0.75 miles, right? Of a three-quarters of a mile, getting off the treadmill and thinking to myself, as I was huffing and puffing, how in the world am I gonna run a 6.2 mile marathon? What in the world did I sign myself up for? And I really My wife really gets a lot of credit. She was encouraging me still in the beginning, all all the way through from the beginning to the end, that don't worry, you could do it. You're going to do it. It's going to be great. And every twice a week, I would do what I was supposed to do. I'd fill out my chart. I I followed the training religiously. I did exactly what I was told to do. And there's something, you know, when you run, there's something called a breakthrough run. Now, when you're training, you know, it's hard, it's hard, it's hard. And all of a sudden you're like, whoa, how in the world did I just run that two miles? I'm, I'm not even tired, I can, keep, I can keep going. And that's called a breakthrough run. When you all of a sudden feel like you hit a certain plateau and now you could just keep going and it gets easier for you. And when you do that, you feel it's a very, it's an amazing feeling because you feel like you're accomplishing, you're getting somewhere. And I still remember getting to a certain point where I'm like, wait a second, I think I could run this marathon. I think I could do it. And as the training went on, I kept doing the twice-a-week runs, and I started running outside. And as you can imagine, right, it's not too warm outside nowadays in, in, uh, in Philadelphia or in Bucks County. It's, um, it's getting cold. And sometimes uh, you could not be feeling well. You are not be feeling up to it. You could be tired. But I did the runs every single week. And, and even, and, and more than that, during this training process, I had COVID and I was out for a week, but I was, I didn't just give up on those two runs that week. I made sure to get it in when I was up to it, when I was healthy, when I was able to do it, I went for it. And I had a different virus, maybe a flu a few weeks after that. And I had to miss another week, but I, I didn't miss a run. I made up my runs the next week and I trained, I did the best I could as far as the training. So we're getting closer and closer to this race, which was not just a race. It was a conference as well. It was scheduled to be a, a health and learning conference where we or we would share ideas with each other. And, and I guess we would, we would learn about a different, we would learn about different things and we would, um, prepare for the race. <clears throat> and the schedule was that we flew down to Florida on Sunday evening. Monday would be speakers and preparation for the races. And Tuesday would culminate this program with our marathon, which was held in a park in Fort Lauderdale or the, the Fort Lauderdale area. And following the successful completion of the of the race, we would have a grand celebration back in the hotel, which would, I guess, celebrate our, our 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 successes. So really this, you know, and I have to give a lot of credit because the, the way that this program was run, it was run very professionally. And the whole conference was beautiful from beginning to end. Nothing was speared um, for the rabbis. And really, I personally felt like a million dollars. And I think all the rest of the 30 rabbis that I ran with felt the same way as, as well. That Everything was top of the line, top of a very beautiful hotel, excellent food, you know, tons of uh, presents, which they gave to us as far as like the, you know, stuff we would need like uh, a backpack, jackets, shirts, hats, everything. And it was really just a a great experience how we were taken care of. Now, the night before the race, we, we one of the, the speakers that spoke to us, was a Kenyan, well, I'm sorry, was a doctor who actually trains the Ethiopian and Kenyan runners who place very high in, in different marathons. And he's a professional trainer. And different ideas he was giving to us, just telling over to us. And you know, some for me personally, the more that I, that this marathon was being talked about, of what we should do, what we should not do, the more nervous it was making me. And I just, in a way, I just wanted to get to the starting line So I could start already and not think about it anymore. So that night I was just not able to sleep every night. I kept waking up every hour because I was just too nervous. Can I do this? Can I not do this? I don't know. So many things are, are, you know, you train for this moment. It's, it's all this preparation and it's all culminating in this, um, this next morning. So it's, it's really a lot of emotion, a lot of feeling. So Thank God we get to the park, everything that next morning, everyone everyone gets ready very early. We dive in, we pray, we get to the vans, we get to the park, we get to the starting line. Everyone's very excited. And and um, we begin the race. And having to be on a side note, you know, just uh, expressing some of my personal feelings. As we began this race, I, I felt like I was overcome with a, a certain amount you know, of emotion, certain emotions, you know, many of us, sure, we, all of us, when we go through life, you know, there's different times in our lives, where we feel, you know, that we feel like we're touching something in our soul at, you know, for so for for those of us that are older, I'm sure you know, better than I do, about those times, maybe it's when you have a child, maybe it's when you marry a child, maybe it's when you do a mitzvah with the pure intentions. But you're, you're touching something deep inside of yourself. You're you're reconnecting to your neshama. I don't know if it was because I prepared for this race and I was getting ready and getting ready. And now this was culmin- the culmination or it was other factors which we're going to get inv- involved in, but it was just a little bit of emotion. And so Baruch Hashem, the, the race started and my goal was to run the race without stopping. And I knew that, I had trained properly. I was able to do all the training runs without stopping as well, right? And my goal was to run this marathon which which was a distance which I had never run before without stopping. No breaks, going. That was my goal. I didn't care so much about being first. That wasn't I really didn't care about that at all. It wasn't about that. It was about finishing the race without stop without stopping. Continuing my jogging the whole time. And Thank God I was able to accomplish that. And it was a tremendous accomplishment. And for me personally, you know, it wasn't just a a physical act that I was doing, that I was accomplishing, that obviously there's taking care of your health, which is, you know, the Torah tells us um, to take care of ourselves, to, to be healthy, to eat healthy, to do exercise. That's what we need to do. But it wasn't just about that for me personally, it was also something which had a physical, a, a, a emotional aspect to it, a spiritual aspect to it, and I feel like the lessons which I gained from it really affect all the different parts of our lives, and we, in each and every one of us, can, can take it in their own way, um, the inspiration, how we could apply it, and I wanted to really learn four lessons from this marathon that we could take and hopefully inspire us to be better people and to make our connection to Hashem better as well. Before I start with these four lessons, I wanted to preempt it with a thought, a Torah thought about inspiration. And the the Torah portion of B'Shalach deals with the Jews leaving Egypt and experiencing the miracle of the splitting of the sea. Now, the splitting of the sea was one of the greatest miracles in Jewish history. We celebrate Passover, commemorates the exodus of Egypt, and the splitting of the sea is a a central aspect of of that remembrance of of the holiday of Pesach as well. And and every day in in our prayer services, we we remember the splitting of the sea. Now, the, the Midrash brings down, the Midrash teaches us that when the Jewish people went through Kriya Syamsuf, when they... Experienced the splitting of the sea and they went through it. That the Medrash says, that a maidservant who experienced Kriyas who experienced the splitting of the sea, saw a divine revelation more clearly saw the the i guess the shekhinah the divine the divine presence more clearly than the prophet yhezekiel the prophet ezekiel so that means someone a regular person a quote unquote more lowly person right or right someone who wasn't a sophisticated person who experienced the splitting of the sea had a more clear or clearer vision of God, a more untainted view of the Divine Presence than the great prophet Ezekiel, the prophet Yechezkel. Now, if you think about this for a minute, that's pretty amazing. We know that Yechezkel Hanavi, Ezekiel the prophet, his level of prophecy was a tremendously deep and great level of prophecy. The, the Misa of Merkava, the whole the story of the Merkava, which is a prophecy of Ezekiel, is is a prophecy which is is extremely deep and is not fully understood by us today. We still, we don't understand it to its full degree. So you're talking about someone who had a tremendously deep and profound level of nevuah, of prophecy, and yet someone who, a regular person, who went through Kriyas Yamsuf, who experienced the splitting of the sea, had a, a greater, I guess, revelation of the divine presence than Yecheskel. So the question that's asked, from Chaim Shmulevitz asked this question, is what happened to the shifra? What happened to this maidservant? What happened to the regular people who went through Kriyas Yamsuf and experienced that great, and high level of prophecy. What happened to them? We know what happened to Yecheskel the prophet Ezekiel. He became the great prophet. We have the book of Ezekiel. We have the prophecies which are, are which he left us. But what happened to these regular people who had a higher level of prophecy than Yecheskel of Ezekiel? What happened to them? Did anything become of them? Where is their? What happened to their their the the level of prophecy that they had? So the answer to this lies in a basic understanding of inspiration. All of us are inspired in different ways. Some of us become inspired from hearing a Torah idea, which can inspire us a a beautiful thought on on, on the Parsha or, or Torah. Some of us become inspired through hearing a beautiful song. For others, it's, when we see nature, right, we go to the Grand Canyon, it just takes our breath away, we, we have this, oh my goodness, there must be a God in the world, right, and for other people who are Meshuggah they run marathons, so the, but the main thing is, is that what happens, though, after you're inspired, is that if we don't take the inspiration and channel it into something concrete, into an action, into doing, it goes away. It fades away. And it's like it's we never even experienced it. So it's very essential in life that whenever we do become inspired, whenever we have that dose of I want to be better, I want to change, I want to connect to Hashem more, so we do something with that. We put it into something concrete, we put it into something real, which means maybe doing a mitzvah a little better than we we were doing. Maybe it means taking on something new. Maybe it means increasing our Torah learning. Maybe it means being nicer to people a little bit more. And you know what? It doesn't have to be a change that's big. It has to be small, something small. And it doesn't have to be forever. It could be something which you say, I'll take upon myself for a week, a day, a month, whatever we're capable of doing. But the point is, is that the inspiration needs to lead to something real or else it just fades away. It's forgotten. So that really answers our question. Because even though a regular person who experienced the Kriyas Yamsov, who experienced the splitting of the sea, had a greater level of Navua, a greater level of prophecy than the Prophet Ezekiel, the Prophet Yechezkel, they didn't do anything with the inspiration. And what happened? It faded away. But Yechezkel, Ezekiel, when he was inspired, he applied it to his life. He made himself better. He improved himself. And that's why he became the great prophet Yechezkel, the great prophet Ezekiel. So that really leads us to the four thoughts which I wanted to share with you tonight. The four lessons about that, that I've learned along this uh, amazing journey and this experience. And I and I hope to apply it to my own life, and hopefully it could be an inspiration for each and every one of you as well. Number one, the importance of goals, charts, and coaches. Now, as I mentioned earlier, this race from beginning till end was run in the most professional way. There was there was a goal, right? We all knew we wanted to to run this marathon and finish the marathon. And that was something we all had in mind. We were working towards something, we, and the end goal was in sight. And this motivated us to push ourselves, to be more than we can be, to do to give our best shot. And every time I ran, there was a chart. There was a chart that I had to be filled in. Did I run? How long did I run? Did I stretch before I ran? Did I stretch after I I, I ran? Did I eat food within 30 minutes? Did I have gratitude to Hashem, to God? I had to fill that in. And there was a coach. You know, thank God this program had an excellent coach, and Mayor Keniel, and he was able to guide us through the different challenges we faced and really help us through it with everything. So the first thing which I wanted to point out is that goals. So many times we have things, you know, we're just going along in life, but we don't have clear goals. You know, we're good people, we try to do the right thing, but we don't have clear goals for ourselves. We just go with the flow. It's essential that we all make clear and attainable goals for ourselves. Besides for giving us something to work towards, as I mentioned before, a goal is something which can give us the encouragement to help us perform better to go a little bit beyond ourselves and to exert that maximum effort and as i mentioned before a chart the chart helped us reach that goal it's not just enough to have an objective to have that goal but we need to have a i guess a plan how to reach it how are we going to get there so for us running in this program in this marathon the chart was the was the road or the 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 map for us how we were going to run that marathon. And for each and every one of us the different goals that we have we need to make a plan of how we're going to get there. Maybe it's not a chart, maybe it is a chart, you know, sometimes it could be a chart or some type of way to mark your progress but the idea is, is that we have to have a way we're going to get to that goal. It's not just enough having it. We need to see okay, how am I going to do this? And besides for for helping us get to the actual goal, another benefit of having these charts or a plan is that it helps marks our, our it help it helps mark our success. And it helps it encourages us to go along the way because many times we, we, we get discouraged because we don't see progress. But when you're filling in that chart, when you have that plan, when you have markers for yourself, you see the progression of how you've grown. Because it's, it's very difficult if you don't have that. And a coach. So as I said before, during these past 10 weeks, I was blessed with an amazing coach, Romare Keniel. He was always available when I had a question, always had an encouraging word. And always had our best interests in mind. In life, it's essential to have a coach, a mentor, a rabbi, a friend, to help guide you, to give you a good word, to to put you on the right path. And sometimes even to set you straight when we make a mistake, to correct us. Because... As much as you know, as good we as that we are, we can't see our flaws. It's very hard for us to recognize mistakes for recognize to or to recognize when we go off the path. And we're impartial. So when you have someone who is an objective outsider, who has your best interest in mind, and who could give you that encouraging word, or sometimes could give you that little bit of a push to get back in the right direction in the right way, it's a tremendous benefit to achieving your goal as well. So that's really the first, really, that's the first thing which I learned from this program. The second um, thought, the second lesson, which to me was extremely powerful, is achieving the impossible. If anyone would ask me about three months ago, can you Shlomo Kohn Run 6.2 miles straight without stopping. I would say you're crazy. It's impossible. And you know what? When I signed up for this program, I didn't think I was going to run 6.2 miles straight. I thought I would run the most I could and walk a little bit and I'll do the best I can. It never entered my mind that I'd be able to accomplish something which I thought was impossible until I did. And... It's just a tremendous feeling when you're able to do that. You know, many times in life we we sell ourselves short. We don't believe in ourselves that we can accomplish great things. We we don't think we have the ability. We're not we can't get there. We're not we're not some great person and we underestimate our potential. We have to realize that we can accomplish things we thought were impossible. We could go for the stars. And it's something we have to internalize within ourselves and recognize. So for me, as someone who ran a marathon, who actually did something that I thought was impossible, I thought I could not do this. So when you do something which you thought was impossible, it's such a powerful message that it sends to you that, wow, I could do, I could do that. That was amazing. You know, th- obviously it's Siyata Dishmaya. You get help from God, heavenly help with God. That's for every success that we have. But when we're able to do things, which we thought that we previously could not do, it opens up realms of possibility for us. It increases our potential. It could, it helps us do amazing things. So for me, that was a tremendous lesson that I was able to, internalize myself, that actually do something that I thought I couldn't do. And it was just such a powerful psychological message, which God willing, I help, I hope to take with me throughout my life. Number three, positive self-talk. When we were preparing for the race the day before, we spoke, as I mentioned before, or we heard from Dr. Owen Anderson. And you could look him up online. He is a, a coach. He coaches these world-class runners. And one of the things which he told us is that it's a mind game, that you need to talk positive thoughts to yourself throughout the race because it's been scientifically proven that when people have negative thoughts, it, it affects their fatigue, meaning it makes them more tired. So if you're running in a race and you're thinking to yourself, I can't do this. It's impossible. I'm not going to make it. You're not going to make it. But if you have positive thoughts and you think good things, and you think I could do this. I could do this. Hashem, you're going to help me get through this. God, you're going to help me finish the race. And you keep reinforcing yourselves with those positive thoughts. You're going to get there because it's a mind game it's a mind game between the mind and the heart so if we're able to to overcome our initial emotions those surges of negativity at times and we're able to to push in these positive thoughts we'll we'll be able to go to get a lot further than we think we can get and god willing come out successful and overcome our challenges and number four not minimizing our success. So after the race ended, I had these feelings like, oh, it's really, what was the big deal? Okay, I did 6.2 miles, all right. It's a decent amount of miles, but it's not a big deal. It really is not such a big accomplishment. That was the initial thoughts that were going through my mind after the race. I was happy. I was happy that I got to the end, but I wasn't feeling any like sense of exuberation I rather it was just like I was minimizing the accomplishment which I just achieved. The an hour or two later when we had this CM celebration, this grand celebration and you know thank God we had a we we I have a great coach and the first thing he said he really hit the the hammer, I guess hit the nail on the head. The first thing he said when he got up to the podium was as follows says, all you guys, I want you to know what you just did was something huge. You just accomplished something amazing, an amazing feat. And probably your Yetzirah, your evil inclination, is telling you what you did wasn't such a big deal. You ran 6.2 miles, but it wasn't a big deal. He's trying to minimize the great thing that you achieved. He doesn't want you to feel good about your successes. He wants you to feel down. He doesn't want you to feel good, The He Because he knows when you're happy and you feel good about yourself, you're going to try to do more. So the last thing he wants is for you to appreciate your success. And he might even tell you, when you have a success, stop boasting. He's going to try to trick you. You know, you're boasting. Don't boast. You have to be... you. You have to have humility. And he'll pl- try to play these mind games with you that, you, that you're that you not being righteous. You're being a, a wicked person by thinking it's a success. So try to think about it as, minimize it. And really, after Coach Mayer said these words, it really struck a chord within me because that was exactly what I was thinking. And for me, it was a moment, it was, a, I guess, a, a turning point. Because if we don't appreciate or we don't make a big deal about our successes then we're not gonna then it's it's harder for us to feel good about ourselves and really it's important to make a big deal about big things so this time it was me training and running for a 6.2 mile marathon and the next time whatever the accomplishment is we'll make sure to make a big deal about it because we all should make big deals about the things we accomplished. We should be very proud of it. And you know what? this organization Olami and rabbis can run, they gave us a lot of, um, you know swag, that's the term they use. some jackets with the with the logos and and backpacks and hats. And for me personally, as someone who worked very hard to achieve this goal, I felt very proud to to wear this stuff to wear these jackets and it was like a, it was one of those epiphanies because many times i remember as a kid you you know i would see people wearing jackets from let's say different organizations that they volunteered for you know there's an organization uh, a volunteer ems company called hatsala um, which helps people and there's also a volunteer organization called haverim which help people as well and i would see these people wearing their jackets from these organizations obviously they're members and it would strike me as odd, like, come on, this is an adult. They has to be, he has to show off to everybody that he has this jacket, that he's part of atsala he's part of this volunteer EMS squad, or he's part of Haverim. You know, you know, there's a word they have in Yiddish for it. It's called the Amacher. He's somebody who's just like a big shot. Why does he have to show everybody? And after this whole moment, this whole speech of myself experiencing working hard and feeling good about an accomplishment where I had this jacket and I felt very proud about it. Made me realize that no, that what I thought before was incorrect because the person who worked for, who volunteered for Hatzalah, for the EMS company, the volunteer EMS company, or the or the other fellow who was part of Chaverim, this this service that helps people out with different things, they worked hard to be a member of those organizations. They gave up of themselves to to give for someone else. So therefore, they were very proud when they would wear their jacket and they should be, because it's a major success. They put in tremendous amount of effort. And it was just a moment for me that I had that realization that just the, that we should always take our successes and cherish the success, cherish other people's success and make a big deal out of it. And don't let the sahara, the evil inclination, take away from our successes because success breeds success. Right? We know that mitzvah goreres is mitzvah. That if we do one mitzvah, it leads to another mitzvah. And similarly, if we do good things and we feel good good about it, we're going to continue doing good things. So these are the four messages, the four lessons, which I took out of this whole experience. And I want to thank Hashem for helping me through the whole way from beginning to end. And also, I wanted to thank. Um, All of you and uh, all my listeners and all the members of my community and my wife and uh, my family for all the support I received, both financially and also emotionally, which I was really thinking about. I was trying to have those positive thoughts the whole way through. And as as Coach Mayer said, smile. And I tried to keep a smiling face on the whole, whole race. And I was thinking about the support that people gave me, the love, the confidence people believed in me that I could do it. And this was something I was thinking about as I was running those 6.2 miles. So I want to thank everybody for your love and support. I truly appreciate it. And um, I hope that for me, that this, this running, I hope I can keep it up. And it serves as the lessons I've learned from it um, serves as an inspiration for me and for you. And um, God willing, it, we should continue to cherish each other's successes. With that, we're going to finish today's podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to reach out to me at Rabbi Shlomo Kuhn with a K at gmail.com. Everyone have a great day.